Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, football fans, we're back with the South Coast End Zone Podcast 2018 season. This is episode one, and uh, I'm your host, Brendan Curie, along with sports editor Lori Lose. And over the course of a day, we sat down with a bunch of different beat writers for us who have been out at different football practices and watching scrimmages, and we looked at all nine area teams that we cover one by one. So we had Lori in here to talk about Old Rochester, to talk about Vogue Tech, I was at New Bedford, Wareham, and Bishop Stang. We had Nick Fryer in for some Old Colony action. We had Bill Abramson in to break down the Lakers of Aponiquit. And Mick Collagio was on the line to talk about Fairhaven and Dartmouth. So we also broke these podcasts down individually. So if you go to any of the features that we wrote for the kickoff 2018 preview series, you can listen to the individual podcasts. They're five to eight minutes on each team. You can also go to our full preview which we publish on Sunday and we are going to be embedding each of the individual podcasts in that as well but if you want to just sit down for I don't know if this is 45 minutes or so and listen to us talk about every team this is your chance Uh, there'll be a little bit of repetitiveness because we recorded each of them individually so you'll hear us talk about how excited we are for football over and over but without further ado here is the 2018 South Coast Varsity End Zone football preview podcast the South Coast End Zone Podcast. Extended coverage of high school football from sports editor Lori Lose of the Standard Times. Now, the South Coast End Zone. Welcome back to the South Coast End Zone Podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Curie, and we are previewing the 2018 season. We're going team by team, and right now we're talking about the Aponiquit Lakers. So we have... Standard Times correspondent Bill Abramson, who uh, wrote the preseason story on the Lakers and went out to a practice a couple weeks ago. How are you doing, Bill? Uh, couldn't be better if I tried. How are you doing, Brendan? I'm doing good. So uh, you were out at a Lakers practice, and uh, kind of what were your your first observations? Would you your first impressions? Well, there are they have a, a good roster out there. They have a good number of kids. And they have a bunch of kids who are back from last year. That's a, a key. They have a lot of players back. That's the good news. The bad news is the young, they're really young players. So they have mostly sophomores, juniors, and a few seniors sprinkled in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was 17 returning starters from last season uh, for the Lakers. Now, it wasn't a very successful 2017 season. They went 2-9, uh, and nine and... They lost their average game by close to 20 points, so there weren't a lot of close games. Uh, how, how do you think this team will be improved this season? What areas of, of football will they be better at? Well, they have to. the place they have to improve are the fundamentals. And this game is tackling, blocking, and running. So, and then passing now, too. So one of the things they have to do is they're going to have to do better where this game starts, and it all starts 
with the line and the quarterback. You mentioned the quarterback, uh, so that's going to be Chase Gorman. He uh, kind of got thrown into the fire as a freshman last season. They had uh, Brent Dixon, the running back, got injured, and then Co- uh, Kobe Desrosier, who had been the quarterback, was moved to running back, which you know was kind of a domino situation. And so Chase Gorman was inserted at quarterback, and uh, he had a couple of really nice games. Like he had a four touchdown game, threw three or nine touchdowns in uh, whatever it was two thirds of a season. Uh, you saw him. It looked like he's uh, he's grown a lot because he was pretty undersized last year. Right. Last year, as a freshman, he was about 5'8 and 125 pounds. For a varsity football player and somebody who's going to be in the middle of everything, uh, that's a small quarterback. And now he comes back this year. He's grown four inches. He's up to six feet. He's at 155, which that added weight will help but he's still on the thin side. Mm-hmm. He had nine touchdowns in seven and a half games last year, and the one thing he got out of last year that, uh, what is it, money can't buy, is experience. Yeah, you can't put a price on that. So, And, and he'll have a couple of experienced running backs, uh, so running backs and fullbacks. So Brent Dixon is back now and really hoping to stay healthy this season. He, uh, he expressed yeah. that to you, didn't he? Brent yeah, I was going to say, Brent had two seasons where he got about a half season in on each one of them before injuring a knee, and it was the same knee. He did it the second year. This year he's hopeful to stay healthy, and uh, he and he calls his uh, running mate there, Shane Cooney, who's the fullback. The two of them haven't had a lot of chance to play together, but they're seniors this year, and uh, their health is going to go a long way to determine how Aponic it's going to go. I saw Shane Cooney even made a uh, Boston Globe uh, preseason all-star team, so or players-to-watch list. So he's uh, definitely a guy to watch. And then it looks like they're moving uh, Kobe Disrocher out to wide receiver now. So th- three positions in uh, one-and-a-half seasons. Well, he's, he's versatile, and uh, he, is, he is an athlete. Uh, I saw him on the baseball field this past spring. He is uh, a player, and they're finding the best spot for him. If Gorman can handle the job as the quarterback, Dixon and Cooney can handle jobs as running backs, then Desrosia, he will be in a good spot because he'll be able to uh, use that athleticism to get into the open and uh, maybe wreck some havoc. Gorman's got a pretty decent arm, and I'm sure with that extra weight and everything, it's probably even uh, stronger than it was last year. So he could always take the top off some defenses. But uh, speaking of defenses, how's, how's the Lakers' defense looking? Well, they have, they have to stay healthy. And we say that because most of their linemen are going both ways. Mm-hmm. And, again, we said those are a lot of juniors in there who were – sophomores last year they ended up playing that's one of those things you know well you got all those sophomores the only best thing you can say about all the sophomores that next year they'll be juniors well this year is the year that they are juniors they have some size but the majority of that size is in left tackle brandon mckinnon Mm -hmm. as a junior he's uh six five two sixty five that's the guy you want protecting the backside of the quarterback that's uh who they have there, and he'll be playing both ways. He'll be a run stopper in the middle of that uh, Aponica defense. So he's going to be tough to move if you're trying to run against him, and hopefully he'll be able to uh, keep the quarterback clean 
by not letting anybody come around that left side. And it looked like a lot of that backfield is going to be counted on uh, in the linebacking core there with uh, Dixon and Cooney. Right, the linebackers, uh, Dixon is one. He's coming in at 5'11", 180. Dan Latendre uh, is 5'10", 185. Kevin Hughes, six foot one and 185. And uh, those are the size that you're going to get in the middle, that's pretty good size for linebackers. Uh, you don't have, in high school, you don't have 250-pound uh, linebackers that can run. Mm-hmm. So those are the players that are going to have to take that middle level of the defense, and they'll back it up with uh, guys like Cooney and Desrosia, uh in the defensive secondary. And that will give uh, Aponikas some experience both up front, in the middle, and in the back. So the defense is going to be a key, and I guess the development of that line on both sides of the ball is also going to be vitally important for the Lakers to have a successful season. Take now, a now look what do you at- think they'll be counting a successful season? I mean, are they... <laughs> 500. I mean, they were two and nine last year. The SEC large division is pretty tough. I mean, you got Old Rochester, you got Summers at Berkeley, uh, you got a DR team that I'm guessing has to be better this year than other kind of down last year, and a Vogue team that has a new coach and is kind of a wild card. So, I mean, do you see this a team that could be five or six wins by the end of the season? I uh, think that's that's probably the goal. Although I'm sure the goal is to, of course, we're going to win the Super Bowl. Of Everybody course, right. said that is the goal to start with. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, in taking a look at it realistically, this is a team that that could surprise a lot of people with a lot of these younger kids who have had a year to develop. Now, they could be a surprise. The people are going to overlook them. You mentioned all the teams that are going to be in that uh, large school division: Somerset, Berkeley, you know, and Old Rochester. You know, you got to look at Aplanicet and you're going to dismiss them because of their 2-9 record last year, they could surprise a lot of people. And, uh, you know, being 500 is not out of the question. So I think that if you're building and you've got a lot of these younger kids in the, on the lines, if you build it this year and you get up to a 500, give or take a game on either side of it, 6-5, six, 5-6, five, five, six, Next year could be a big year. 2019 might be the Lakers' year, but you heard it here first. Bill Abramson says don't sleep on the 2018 Lakers either. That's right. They're going to surprise us. They're going to surprise some t- at least one team that you look at and say they don't stand a chance. Well, don't don't sleep on the Lakers. They're going to they're going to surprise at least one team, and uh, they then they may not be the surprise package. Then everybody's going to know about them. Yeah, so when it comes to a Ponticwit, write in your predictions in pencil. So thanks for being here, Bill. Thanks for talking about the Lakers. Okay, Brendan, thank you. Welcome to the 2018 edition of the South Coast End Zone podcast. I'm sports editor Lori Loss. I'm here with digital sports editor Brendan Curie. Hey guys, how's it going? Another high school football season. Excited to go. Yeah, and uh, we're going to uh, talk about Bishop Stang today. Uh, they're coming off a uh, 
four and seven record from last year. And uh, Brendan went to Spartan Village uh, about a what week? Week it and was half ago? yeah, week and a half ago. I, my one year old son went to his first ever football practice uh, at uh, Bishop Stang, and uh, Dennis Golden couldn't have been a better host. Uh, but it's a uh, second year under Dennis Golden, uh, the former New Bedford High coach uh, is now the athletic director and football coach at Bishop Stang and it was kind of a, a tale of two seasons a little bit for him last year obviously they, they made a big switch uh, under uh, coach Sylvia before they've been running uh, triple option type offense and now uh, they kind of spread it out more it's more similar to the old New Bedford offenses um, you watch kind of the, the second half of Dennis's uh, tenure there uh, so there's a lot more passing a lot more routes being run um, a lot more diversified offense and so I think it took him a little while to kind of you know learn the playbook and kind of understand all their assignments and everything. And That's what I was going to say. The offense, I think, a lot, uh, last season didn't score at all in the first game. And they did have 21 points in the second game, but only had seven the, the following week. So 28 points in the first game. Yeah, I got shut weeks. out by Cole Cassidy yeah. midseason. But uh, as the season went on, they, they seemed to find their offense a little bit better. And the defense improved as well. So it wasn't just about the offense, but kind of learning the schemes. And so they, they bring back a lot of guys. I mean, they, they graduated some linebackers and some defensive linemen is kind of the areas that they – have the biggest weaknesses in as far as kids who graduated. Uh, but as far as skill positions, they're bringing back pretty much everyone who had major impacts. Yeah, and it looks like, uh, what was it, 63.3% of uh, the team's 30 touchdowns uh, are, uh, are returning with uh, Justin, what, Justin Lopes. Justin Lopes is back at quarterback. Yep. Matt Pollux is going to be a running back and wide receiver. And uh, Tim Manley Jr. is going to be uh, – Probably their go-to wide receiver, but also, I mean, all three of those guys will carry the ball, and uh, other than just the other two, will also catch the ball, uh, as well as Eric Camacho, um, a guy who caught a few touchdowns. I think it was three or four touchdown passes last season, and I uh, probably remember him from the basketball season uh, as well. So, I mean, they'll, uh, you know, Justin will be have a lot of responsibility on his shoulders. He had uh, he both, I think, ran for and threw for over 500 yards yep. last season. Pretty balanced. Yeah, so uh, he's kind of a dual-threat guy, and then uh, a lot of their receivers, running backs, are going to be kind of interchangeable on the offense. So they're, they're kind of in that get-the-ball-to-the-athletes-in-space kind of mode. Uh, when I was out of practice, they were doing a lot of uh, kind of swing passes, a lot of screen stuff, bubble screens, uh, just kind of getting the ball out with a couple of blockers in front of a uh, wide receiver, and they're probably going to be looking for a good amount of uh, yards after the catch. And uh, now the, we we got to probably talk about the Eastern Athletic Conference this year because uh, they lost. Left of it. Yeah, what's le- what's left of it? There's not too many teams left. Uh, Bishop Stang, Bishop Fian, and Coyle Cassidy now. Now that's that the it. Vineyard no is Martha's gone. Vineyard. Yeah. yeah. And two years ago, we were saying bye to, to Somerset Berkeley, which went, yep, to, the went to the South Coast, Coast Conference. Conference so, so uh, I mean, what what do you think their chances are of? Uh, I yeah, guess knocking I mean, off it's, it's Fian, right? Fian, point, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, that's the big question is can they beat Fian? There was a lot of confidence when I was at camp. They were uh, talking about it. You know, it wasn't it wasn't persona non grata at camp. Uh, although each time they mentioned it, Dennis Golden would make sure to be like, but we're worried about week one. I think Seekonk, right? Yeah, Seekonk, week, week one, Friday we're, night. We're more worried about Seekonk, but uh, I'm sure that they have uh, the two games against Fian yes. um, circled uh, October 19th, which will be the, the last regular season game before the, the playoffs or non-playoffs. Um, and that's I'm at sure, home. At I'm sure Spartan the Spartans Hill. are planning for Spartan it to be Hill. playoffs, not yeah. non-playoffs this year. Yes. And then the, uh, the, the second matchup is on Thanksgiving at Fian. Yes, the rivalry matchup, uh, the annual Thanksgiving game. So it'll be interesting to see uh, kind of how the defense comes together because they probably lost a little bit more on that side of the ball. And then also the offensive line isn't huge. Yep. Um, they got some speed. They got some athletes there, but they don't have a ton of size. So they're not going to be a, a power running team. They're going to be probably a little more zone blocking. And uh, the running backs are going to have to be able to fit through a couple of smaller holes and, and break a couple tackles. But 
you know, they seemed like everyone was on the same page. Uh, they got decent numbers out. Um, sounded like Golden Wish had a little bit more. I think he's in the mid forties right now, and I think wishes he was in the fifties. Uh, but you know, they got a lot of a lot of good kids out. It seemed like everyone was on the same page. Everyone was excited. Uh, they were, you know, kind of ready to go and ready for the season to start. And you know, kind of that annual, the leaves start falling and football's here, and everyone's ready to put on the pads and. Uh, Lay out the first couple hits. Yep. Well, that uh, they open, like we said, uh, Friday night, September 7th, uh, against Seekonk at home at 7 p.m. Welcome back to the South Coast End Zone Podcast. I'm your host, Brennan Curie, the digital sports editor here at the Standard Times. And today on the line, I have Mick Collagio, the sports editor of the Hathaway Weekly Papers. How are you doing, Mick? Hey, Brandon, how are you? I'm great. So we are working our way through the different South Coast football teams in preparation for the 2018 season, and you made it out to check out the Dartmouth Indians who uh, went to a practice, what was it, a week or two ago? Are you ready for some football? Yeah, um, I did. And uh, Nolan Ellis is throwing beautiful, beautiful spirals. He's a, he's a left-handed quarterback, just like his big brother Nate. And by big, we don't just mean older. Uh, Nolan uh, gained some serious uh, size uh, over last year through uh, a lot of uh, high rep uh, weight training. So he didn't have a lot of bulk, but he's uh, definitely stronger and uh, more stable athletically in the pocket and very calm. And uh, it's pretty exciting what's going on with that team right now and and the chance we have to see what uh, should be uh, a pretty good team, uh, pretty good offense. It just, the thing is, is it may take them time because as Coach uh, Rick White said, uh, while they have some seniors, they're young seniors. Uh, they graduated all but three three starters. Yeah, so Darby's kind of always good on defense, and last year the offense kind of wasn't quite there to keep up with the defense. Now, big part of it was Nate Ellis going down with that ankle injury. I think it was uh, week four. Uh, I think he got injured in week three, and then uh, he last game was week four, and so by week five it was uh, Nolan Ellis starting there, and uh, you know he got, he showed that he had a lot of the capabilities of it, but he just wasn't there physically. And so you're saying that it looks like the the physical side is matching up now um, with the way he sees the game inside his own head. Right. You know he he uh, he started out needing some reassurance, uh, being in a new situation way ahead of schedule. He'd only been playing quarterback for a year on the freshman team, and he didn't even start that season. Uh, he started the first few games as a slot receiver. They they wanted him to play. They had him play quarterback, so the plan was to play him as the JV quarterback last year. And of course, Nate got hurt uh, against LaSalle Academy of Providence. Uh, he didn't know how seriously he was hurt. Turned out he had compartment syndrome and needed three surgeries in Boston. Uh, yeah, I know. There, there, was, actually, there was some worries about his long-term health at one point, but we're glad right, that right. he uh, turned out okay. Right, and actually he's come back and he's, and he's uh, in the Bridgewater State uh, University football program at the wide receiver position, and you know we'll see if by the end of the year if he winds up getting some reps there. Right now it's pretty strong to get the Lagancha kid from Walpole, who I presume is Gene's son, um, and uh, uh, this the uh, news anchor um, from Fox 25. Uh, but but uh, uh, I'm adding on his trivia because he's from my hometown of Walpole. But uh, in any case, um, uh, we we got we got a kid there who uh, you know they're already identifying some targets for him, and and I think that uh, you're going to see a much stronger uh, Nolan Ellis. And I think uh, well, I think oh, 
what's going to happen with Dartmouth is, is that there's a lot of guys who are going to be learning at the same time. Mm-hmm. And because of that, it's going to be a little bit of rough sledding. And, and a lot of it has to do with the schedule, starting out at Central Catholic and some of these other schools that got their schedule as well. Uh, it's not going to be an easy start for them. But uh, Rick White's happy with how they've come along. And I think that uh, he believes that there's a potential for playoffs here if they can stay that course of progression. And they were 6-5 and five last year, and they, they finished the season uh, pretty strong. They won four of their final five games last season with just a loss to uh, Hopkinton, which I think was a playoff loss in the mix there. Uh, now, they always have a strong defense. I know they lost some of the linebackers from last year, but kind of in general sense, how do you see the defense shaping up this season? Well, they got playmakers on both sides of the ball. I mean, uh, the question is is whether or not uh, they have enough on the line. Uh, there are guys there. They have numbers. question is, are there any guys there who are going to be really durable in those positions? Um, I think that that's going to be the hard thing. The good thing with Dartmouth right now is uh, they're not having any problems with preseason problems with penalties. Sometimes these early season games and jamborees, you see offenses that can't run a play without, without flags flying everywhere. Mm-hmm. Dartmouth isn't like that. They're very well organized and coach I saw doing technique with the, one of the things about their defense that I think will help them is the coach uh, worked with starters on technique on tackling because of new rules and things that you can and cannot do. And so here's how we want you to try to do it. And because of that, uh, they, they're really ex- examining how these kids do what they do uh, on the ball and off the ball. And because of their attention to detail, I think the learning will come quickly with the Indians. And I think that they're going to be a much, much better team at midseason than they are at the beginning. So if we're three or four games in and it doesn't look good, don't be deceived. It's always a well-coached squad over there in Dartmouth. Uh, Rick White and uh, Coach Martin and all those guys always do a great job there. So now I know you're not usually paid to give your opinion here. You know, you're a reporter. You stay neutral right down the middle of the road. But if I press you here, they had six wins last year. Would you take the over or the under this year? Um, I'm going to take the over. I think that they're going to surprise some teams that might not be quite ready for how good they're going to be. Even though they're young seniors, I think that they're so well coached over there and they seem to me like they really work together. Um, I like what I see and I'm, uh, barring bad luck in the way of injuries at key positions, I think that that team is going to execute fairly well and they're going to exceed expectations. Well, you heard it here first from Mick Collagio. He's been out at, uh, I think, a scrimmage and then a practice or two. The Dartmouth Indians open up on Friday night, 7 o'clock at Central Catholic. That was a 41-7 to loss last year. Obviously, Central Catholic, one of the better programs in the whole state. Uh, so we'll see if they can uh, either make it closer or really actually make a game of it this year. Thanks for coming I can't on. Be wrong. I can't be wrong after one game. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, we won't actually learn a whole lot probably after week one. So, you know, hold, hold off on your uh, judgments on Dartmouth uh, probably until they get a little more into kind of the, the week three, four, Milton Durfee. Um, week two's That's Attleboro. Right. That'll be a tough one as well. So. And New Bed- an improving New Bedford team. Yes, yes. Dangerous New Bedford squad. That was, that was a, quite a game last year. So, well, thanks for coming sure on, was. Mick. We appreciate it. My pleasure.
Welcome back to the South Coast End Zone podcast. I'm your host, Standard Times Digital Editor Brendan Curie. And today on the line, I have Hathaway Sports Editor Mick Collagio. Thanks for joining us, Mick. Hey, my pleasure, Brendan. So we are working our way through the South Coast football teams in preparation for the 2018 season, which kicks off on Friday. And we're talking about the Fairhaven Blue Devils, who had uh, a fairly successful season last year. Five and six, I think, would you could fairly say exceeded expectations for most folks coming into the year, uh, especially with the low numbers that they had. They so, are a tough out. They're tough kids within there, a tough out. And it's going to be more of the same this year. The one thing that the Blue Devils have going that we haven't seen in several years maybe is continuity and momentum from last year from people in key positions, whether it's Brady Bennett, quarterback, Zach Giot in the fullback position, Owen, Owen Sabula in the, in the running back position, uh, Flynn Borgault uh, in the wide receiver. They, are already, they were right away – they were already running plays that they had run on Thanksgiving against Dartmouth. A 14 nothing loss, but not one that was easy for Dartmouth. Fairhaven almost scored and made that a game. That was a very tough game. And these guys, uh, the runaway losses that they had last year, they were kind of like later in the games. Those games, they were in those games until later on. Uh, so uh, I, like, I like what I see from Fairhaven this year. Once again, yeah, you're right, Brendan. 36 signups, and I know last year I won one. good, one. Ten, probably 10 more than they had last year. So they were down in the mid-20s, well, I think, by the end of last season. Well, I know that by the end of the year, they were under 20, 20 people under in uniform 20, yeah. for the Thanksgiving. So uh, I think the key for, their, for them is obviously health. But, uh, but there's continuity and momentum, and Brady Bennett is substantially uh, stronger uh, physically than he was last year. And so in Giot, um, went through a, a weight tra- training program uh, that uh, keeps him, that's actually improved his agility while adding size and, and strength. Yeah, they have a lot, like you mentioned, a lot of the, a lot of weapons on offense there. I mean, Borgall's a great weapon for Bennett. Uh, you know, he had some success last year. Owen Sabula Jr. is going to be out there, Greg Santeo. So, uh, you know, a lot of guys, a lot of weapons, uh, in addition to Giat running the ball and uh, probably Sab- and Sabula also running the ball. Now, the offense, though, wasn't necessarily the issue in a lot of games last year. It was the defense. They could score right. with the best of them. Uh, do you think the defense will be improved this season? I do. I do. I think that one of the things that's going to happen is uh, this team uh, has – to develop a bend but don't break uh, mojo that wasn't really quite there last year. I think this year, because of the maturation of key players, um, and, and there are other attorneys as well, um, I think that, uh, you know, and, and there's a couple of young guys. This kid, uh, Reese Antunes, is a nice player. They got another kid, Cam Gordon. Uh, they may not work their way in right away. Antunes will, but Gordon may. We'll see what happens. Dominic there. Ramos, some guys, a sophomore. Yeah, yeah. And some guy, I think Gordon might be a freshman. It's, you're talking about guys who, who probably will be slotted in as special teams to start, but those kids can make plays. And, and as they gain confidence and show that they can play against big, strong kids, uh, I think, and I think that they can. I think that Fairhaven's going to be a stronger team this year. And, uh, I think that the games that they lost last year that they were in for about, you know, maybe halfway into the third quarter, I think that those, those, team, those games are going to be tight all the way through, and I don't think anything's going to come easy against them this year for stronger opponents. 
Yeah, it was kind of interesting. Fairhaven didn't play a whole lot of close games last year. They uh, their wins were twenty eight to six, forty six to sixteen, thirty six to twenty two. Uh, one close one against Bishop Stang, twenty six to twenty one, and then twenty eight to thirteen. And their losses were fifty four to twenty, thirty six to fourteen, forty nine to eight, thirty seven to nothing. So there there weren't a lot of games that were kind of coming down to one play in the fourth quarter. But that's probably going to be a little more common this season uh, when they have a little more depth, so they're not quite as gassed in those third and fourth quarters. I'm sure. Well, that's one of the things too. Brady Bennett said that he got tackled too easily last year, and around, especially around the five yard line. And he is definitely going to be harder to bring down this year. And some of the same plays that worked last year, this year he's insisting they're going to produce touchdowns. Now they were a five and six team uh, last season. If you were pushed to to make a decision over under on that five wins for the 2018 season, I'm going up with Fairhaven. I'm bullish on Fairhaven. I'm looking for six or seven. All right. Well, that's uh, Rudy Bulger's crew is opening the season on Friday night, hosting uh, Greater New Bedford Vogue Tech at 7 o'clock. And uh, you can see uh, Fairhaven uh, hopefully get off to a good start this season and uh, then hopefully also finish as well as they did last year. I'm planning to be there for that one. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, Mick. We appreciate it. Hey, always fun, Brendan. Thanks. Welcome back to the South Coast End Zone Podcast. We are previewing the 2018 season, going team by team. I'm digital sports editor Brennan Curie, and I'm alongside sports editor Lori Lose. How you doing, Lori? I'm doing great. It's football season. Exactly. Got to have a smile on your face when uh, we got games starting on Friday. Yep, it's the best time of the year. So right now we're going to be talking about the Evoke Tech Bears. They are uh, the new look, new, new look, new look, exactly. Yes, Change the look. culture, right? Hashtag. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, no, I, co- I copyright to Brian Rudolph over at uh, New Bedford High. <laughs> I uh, I attended a practice. Uh, I guess it was maybe the the second week of of uh, training camp the, uh, during the preseason, and I mean it's just a, a different vibe, you know. Um, you know the kids are just hustling all over the field. They're being held accountable. Um, you know if they if they're learning a play and they get it wrong, they do it again and do it again and do it again and do it again and. Uh, just, I mean, the kids, it seemed like everybody was excited to be there. And, um, I know last year that was kind of an issue, you know, like some couple kids, of years, yeah, it seemed yeah, like last two years, last couple so, years. Yeah. And, um, you know, I know they really struggled to kind of have kids show up at practice and, and, um, and stay throughout the season. And just, you know, last year they ended up going, oh, and seven to start the year. Um, they did end up winning two of their last four games, um, you know, and then the offseason, Chuck Allaire stepped down. Um, you know, I think it was, God, I can't remember how many years he'd been there. I think 11 off the top of my head. Um, it was over a decade. And Justin Cruz, a uh, big name in the area. Um, yes, I remember him from Dartmouth High. <laughs> yep, from uh, Dartmouth. And, uh, you know, he had been at Durfee um, for a little while and just kind of in the area. And this Defensive was, coordinator. He'd yep. been, I think, linebacker's coach. The last few years, defensive, defensive coordinator. coordinator. Yep. And, uh, you know, he, he got a shot. And, um, you know, he, he kind of brings, you know, new life to the program, I think. And just, uh, um, you know, he's learning to deal with kind of the head coaching responsibilities as far as dealing with paperwork and um, – the, the non-fun stuff, you know, <laughs> like being out there, being with the kids and, and you know, coaching football is, is the best part of it. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that goes into it being a head coach. But uh looks like he's going to have them ready. Um, you know, they, they've got some new faces uh, from, from last year to this year. Um, they only, you know, graduated kind of three 
key players. Um, Diego Palma, I'm sure, yep, is one of them. Yep. Um, uh, Gabe uh, Abonawama, I think. Abolarinwa. Yep. And um, Diago Jesus. Those were kind of the three big guys they lost. But I had some kids that, you know, either didn't come back or, you know, just aren't part of the program anymore. But they, they have they have pretty good numbers. They ended up getting a transfer from Dartmouth, um, Ethan Almeida, and it looks like he'll probably be the starting quarterback. Um, you know, so he's coming over um, to, to Vogue Tech from Dartmouth. Um, he didn't, and hopefully this will be a year where they stick with the same quarterback yeah, all the way last through. Last, last, I think a couple of years they've, yeah, they've made some midseason uh, quarterbacking changes. So. Yeah, and um, and Sheldon Clark, um, he, he'll probably be their featured back. Um, you know, he's uh, – Five foot eight, one hundred sixty-five pounds, and one guy that um, that I know Coach Cruz is really looking towards, um, you know, for leadership on and off the field is Noah Saunders. Um, he's mm-hmm. he's a senior. Uh, he plays tight end and defensive end, and he's six two, uh, two hundred forty pounds. But he said he's a solid kid. I yeah. remember I interviewed him uh, when uh, Jordan Tyman came in for the camp this summer. And, yeah, uh, looks like a football player. Yeah, and he he really got the kids, you know, to show up during the summer to. You know the weight train. You know weight, the weight room, and really just kind of put in that work in the off season, and they're really starting to see it now. Um, you know, I know obviously with the new coach, new coaching staff, kind of everything's new. It's going to take. There's going to be an adjustment period. There's going to be some time, um, but there's the athletes there now, and there's kind of that desire to do better and to mm. you know to to want to to want to win and to be a part of that culture and just the mindset. You know, it's just kind of. Um, refocused you know on on you know doing things right and 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 um kind of having each other's back and and being held accountable you know i think there was one one play that they the offense um when they were when i was at practice that they couldn't get right and you know coach cruz says all right everybody off the field you know all the every you know all the guys playing on offense off the field run a lap i want the next you know the next group up um you know and and they did it you know and um, you know, it wasn't really punishment. It was more, you know, kind of preparation kind of thing to get them focused. But And buying in is going to be so important there because yes. I did the Voktech preview for a few years in a row. And every year I'd go to practice and I'd be like, man, they got, they got some size. They got good-sized linemen. They always even had some good-sized tight ends. They always had some speed kids on yep. the outside. Uh, you know, they never, you know, probably since Drew Frenette, they haven't really had like that really like throwing quarterback. Nope. You know, they had uh, Methia and uh, some other guys in, in the meantime. But... Uh, they always seem to have almost all of the physical building blocks you would need for a team. And it just never seemed like they had kind of that, that teamwork mindset, that, that correct clubhouse that you need yep. in order to succeed. And so hopefully that's what kind of, kind of put them over the, the hump here. Yeah. Although they did have some success. They won some SECB titles. Yeah, a few years stuff, ago. But uh, the last couple of years were a slog. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I think the focus, um, you know, Justin was saying, Coach Cruz was saying in the preseason was, was getting them all together, getting them to be one unit, you know, um, and just kind of getting them all on the same page. And, and uh, you know, if it takes, you know, a while for that to happen, a few weeks, then it takes a few weeks. But... Mm-hmm. By the end of the season, I see this team, you know, being a lot better than they have been the last few years mm-hmm. um, and really making huge strides. Um, I know they open this Friday uh, at Fairhaven at 7 o'clock, so that should be, a, a, a you know, a pretty good game because Fairhaven is much improved this year. And they had a decent record last year. I think they were 5-6. Yeah. and six. Um, But, it, you know, with Vogue Tech, the one tough thing is they're in that uh, the South Coast Conference A or large or whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, conference, uh, t- you know, division, and they have Somerset Berkeley, who's always tough, Old Rochester, um, you know, who just had a will be ridiculous better. year. Yeah, Aponiquit, um, and Dighton Rehoboth. Let's not forget Dighton Rehoboth. I know they were yeah. a little bit down last year, um, but Dighton Rehoboth is always a tough team. So it's, you know, they don't really have an easy, 
you know, conference. Yeah, it's you nothing know, you can opponent. immediately circle no. and be like, well, that's a win. Yeah. At least so, on the SCCA side, yeah. Um, but, you know, they'll they'll keep working on getting better. And, um, you know, I think that they're going to have a great start, you know, under, uh, you know, a new coach and crew. So. Now, they had gone to that option last season. Remember, Chuck Lair was like, we're sticking with it all year. Uh, when you were at practices out there, were they were running or are they looking no, for a different offensive scheme? Yeah, I think year? they're going to do like multiple sets. They're going to try yeah. and do different things and not really you know, focus on just having one offense. Um, but they have some athletes, so they can probably spread the ball a little bit more, kind of get out more in the open mm-hmm. um, as opposed to just running the ball all the time. Um, so, so we'll see. I mean, it sounds like, you know, they have a good amount of weapons. Um, and the line looked like it had some size too. I know Zach Martin is one of the mm-hmm. um, top returning linemen who's back. Um, he's going to be playing both ways. So, so they have, you know, they have the bodies and they have the talent and it sounds like now they have the, you know, the mindset and the desire. So it'll, Hopefully be a good year. Well, like you said, it all kicks off at Fairhaven on Friday at 7 o'clock. Welcome to South Coast End Zone, uh, the 2018 edition. Exactly. We are back for the football. Yes. It feels great to be back. That's for sure. Uh, we're going to be talking about New Bedford High this year. Um, last year, they were 3-8. and eight. Um, but really this year is the year, right? I mean, this This is is the year they've been building for. I mean, this is kind of, everything's kind of been focused for the last two seasons on building towards 2018. And this was a shot at the playoffs and Super Bowls and big three, all that big three championships. And they came uh, close last year to winning the big three. They did tough, uh, tough losses to both Brockton and Durfee last year. Uh, Brockton, they were winning that game until the last 90 seconds. Uh, lost by a touchdown, and then Durfee was eight to six. Yes, on Thanksgiving. On Thanksgiving oh, Day, so tough one there. It was it was, it was a rough. Uh, that Brockton loss really kind of sent last season into a tailspin. They were three and three coming into that game. They could have moved to four and three. They would have had some pretty decent playoff seating, and uh, that was a game that they were leading. Like I said, and then Brockton just kind of came back on them in the end, and uh, they didn't have enough. And then from there on out, uh, that that was the start of a five game losing streak. Yeah, and I think a few, a few of those games, I mean, there was a couple that were blowouts, but I think, what was it, a 10-point differential in three of, of their five losses down the stretch there? Yeah, if you add up the so, three three of them, there was only lost by 10 points geez, total. Mean, so, um, And then they lost, uh, I think it was one other uh, close game earlier in the season. Yeah, they I know had, that Attleboro was 20-19, to 19, and then um, what was the other the one? The Durfee was 8-6, to yeah. six, and then uh, the Brockton was only by a touchdown. And uh, I think they, they'd also had uh, to Dayton, uh, actually, a 10-point loss at Taunton. I yeah, 10-point loss at Taunton to open yeah. the season. And that's actually who they opened the season again uh, this, this year against. Yes. Yeah. Friday night at, um, at home at New Bedford High, uh, 7 p.m. The Whalers kick off the season. Should be exciting. I mean, you know, this is kind of uh, the litmus test here this year to, uh, you know, Coach Mark DeBrito is uh, now in his fifth season. Yep. Is it? Uh, so, you know, he, he led him to the playoffs the, the first two years. Was it? And then they obviously had the winless season, and then they did uh, make the tournament last year at, at three and four. Yep. Uh, so, you know, they uh, they bring back almost all the skill guys. Uh, True uh, True Williams is back for his third season as a starting quarterback. He threw five touchdowns as a sophomore, fifteen as a junior. Looking to build on that this year. The key for the passing game, they have a lot of good receivers. Starts with Baron Hilton, who may be maybe the most athletic kid in the area. Yeah, certainly one of the. Yeah fastest um, not too many kids who can beat him in a sprint so he's kind of the kid who you just get him the ball and let him go to work uh, but they got a lot of other good receivers with Jeremy DeCruz uh, Brendan Moniz missed last season 
mm-hmm. uh, with an injury. Uh, except me, I think he played one and a half games. Um, he's back. Uh, they have David Abolarinwa, who was at Dartmouth last year. He's going to play tight Transfer, end for him. Yep. Uh, so Trula has a lot of weapons. The key is going to be getting those shorter and intermediate passing game going. So last yes. year it was kind of big strike. Either it was kind of, you know, take the top off the defense, throw it, you know, nine go route to, to Baron Hilton, or it was setting up a screen where he would break a tackle or two and go to the house. But, the, you know, they weren't really getting a lot of the slants, the out routes, kind of that intermediate 8 to 15-yard passing game. So I think that's what they've really been focused on this year uh, to kind of also get a little bit more into the running game. Last year they got a little pass happy. Uh, Nigel After Nigel Palmer was out last season, they didn't really have a go-to running back. And so the guy this year is going to be a Durfee transfer. Yeah. Latrell Canto is kind of going to be the power downhill running back. And then J.J. Carrion, who, who did carry the ball somewhat last year and was also a return guy for him, will be kind of more of the scat back, the quicker guy, you know, the lightning and the thunder and lightning. So do you see them uh, kind of be more balanced or do you see more I think they'll definitely or? be running more. Um, I mean, I guess the, hopefully they'll have more offensive plays overall. Yes. So they'll just be able to run. I mean, last year was, it would seem like it was either a three and out or it was two plays and they score a touchdown. Yeah. yeah. So, no, you know, this year drives. they should have those 10, 12, 14 play drives. Uh, so they'll just be, you know, just should be more on the plate for everyone to eat from. Uh, it'll be interesting to see Canto. He was a quarterback at Durfee yep, and had some injury issues. Uh, kind of was in and out of the lineup last year with a bunch of, seemed like, smaller injuries that would take him out for a game or two. Um, you know, but he's a 5'10", 200-pounder. He's going to play middle linebacker for him, so... He seems like he should be a strong, sturdy kid. So we'll see if uh, he can kind of get past those nagging injuries and put together a you know a big you know maybe thousand yard rushing season or something for the Whalers, or maybe they'll even split it up even more, a couple eight hundred yard rushers or something. I don't know if they'll be quite doing what old Rochester did last year with uh, four thousand yards or no, thirty five hundred between two kids. That was very special what they they had at Aurora but, last year. Uh, and then we'll see. The line is big. Yeah, I was, seeing, is, I was looking at some of the numbers here. Yeah, yeah, so the smallest lineman right now is Anton Scurry, and he's 225 pounds. Yeah. And he's the smallest guy. Uh, at center, you got Tyreek Williams, who's 253 pounds. Uh, left guard, you got uh, Anthony Ant Soares, he's 345. Uh, Carlos Alves at left tackle, he's six foot three and 275 wow. pounds. Big boy. And then at right tackle, you have uh, Eric Dosenberg, who is uh, 6'3, 269. So those are some big tackles. You got big linemen. Hopefully, they're opening up big holes. Yep. And uh, yeah, giving like, some protection away. Yeah, it's true. You go through this roster, and they got they got everything. They got size. They have strength. They have speed, quickness, laterally, vertically. I mean, and they got the experience now too. I mean, most of these kids no, have been playing for no two or three for... seasons. So, I mean, the question is going to come down to you know a whether they all buy in. Yep. And then B, probably how mentally tough they are. Yes. The first time things don't go their way, do they rally and fight back or do they kind of crater? Yeah. So. Well, I mean, they, they don't have an easy schedule. They open no. against Taunton at home. Then they go to Whitman Hanson. Then they're home against Bridgewater Raynham, who's always, always tough. Uh, they visit Barnstable. That was a rough game last year in the rain yes. at BR. I was at that one. And then they host Bishop Fian, who was always really tough. Um, I think that's a, a, a new add to the schedule. They didn't play yes, them last yeah, year. Yes, yeah, that's a new one, yeah. Yep, and then they're at Dartmouth, at Brockton, and then at that point we, we see if they make the playoffs in it. Dartmouth one should be fun, too. That was a, yeah. that was a really interesting game last year. Oh, yeah. A lot of, uh, I think, were you covering forth, that yeah, one? Yeah, I was yeah. at that game. It was, <laughs> it was like whoever has the ball last is going to win this one. Uh, it was a last-minute interception, if I remember, right? Yeah, Kinda I, yeah I think clinched so. it for New Bedford after Dartmouth was marching yeah. down the field to score yeah. in the last minute. 
So it was uh, definitely, usually when they always get together, it's, it's, you know, they face each other. It's always, you know, kind of back and forth and, you know, maybe somebody will emerge in the second half, but it's always usually tight early on at least. Yeah, it's going to be, I'm really interested to see how this Whaler season goes. Um, I think there's, there's a possibility of being a nine win team, but there's also the possibility of kind of falling apart and being in three or four wins. If everyone kind of at some point separates and decides to do their own thing and isn't playing for the team. So a lot on Mark DeBrito and uh, his assistant coach's shoulders this year to kind of keep that team intact, keep them playing together, and keeping the whole ship going in the same direction. All right. Welcome back to the South Coast End Zone podcast. I'm Standard Times digital editor Brennan Curie, and I'm joined today by Standard Times correspondent Nick Fryer, also known as at Nick underscore Fryer. Happy to on be, the tweet world. Happy to be here, Brendan. So we doing? are going through team by team, getting ready for the 2018 high school football season. You excited? Mm-hmm. I am very much so, and I'm excited to talk about the team that you had me here for because I feel like I am definitely the expert on uh, old colony football. Yes, you were out there for practice uh, a week, couple oh, yeah, weeks ago, probably. I, yeah, I just feel like over the years I've covered them more than I've covered any other team individually. That Saturday afternoon team, right? Saturdays are for the boys. Ex- exactly, Saturdays for the boys. So Nick, Nick Fryer and the boys of Old Colony are hanging out at uh, just a pardon from a pardon pardon my take right is that where that's from originally yeah. it's from uh, Barstool Barstool I don't know if it's from that podcast from a, it's, it's exactly. from Feidelberg the Fall River native he's the one that made that oh, up oh that yes. is okay yeah there you a go local connection there bringing mm-hmm. it all home <laughs> Fall River where Nick and Fryer is on WSAR it all comes together yes, full circle it, exactly so now on to the Cougars. So, obviously, quite a successful season for Old Colony last year. Tied a program record mm-hmm. for wins in a season. Won a first Mayflower title in 20 years. Uh, it wasn't a season they were, we were necessarily expecting them to be that good. Right. Uh, they were kind of the sleeper team last year. Where, how do mm-hmm. you see things uh, shaping up this season? Well, first thing that jumps out to me is they don't have Gagne anymore. They don't have mm-hmm. Plissy. Two different types of running backs. Uh, Plissy having a little bit more size. But at the same time, they have Bumpus back. And he's not playing quarterback, it looks like, at the start this year. Now, when I talked to Mendes, uh, Coach Mendes, about it, he had mentioned that he and Kyle Schultz, who is going to be the starting quarterback, at least at the beginning, they're going to kind of flip-flop between quarterback and elsewhere. I don't know exactly where Schultz is going to be at first, but anyways, I'm kind of jumping ahead. When I look at this team now, based on talking to Mendes, based on what I saw at practice, I think that... Uh, you know, repeating what they did last year is asking too much because I think along the way, especially early, they're going to run into a few bumps. Mm-hmm. Um, they just don't have that experience that they had last year, and that's kind of going to be the problem in the end. So, and, and now Which was interesting because the year before, we thought they graduated a bunch of guys. Remember, they graduated Murphy, the quarterback, Murphy, right. the offensive lineman. Yeah. One's Jack, one's Jake. I was forgetting confused. Jack was the quarterback. Jack was the quarterback. Jake was the lineman playing at UMass Dartmouth now, or at least was last season. I guess I don't I'm not know sure if he still is. I haven't checked. He's on the roster this fall. Um, and then uh, the uh, Brian Baker, the, the right, of record-setting running back and returner. Mm-hmm. So we're like, oh, man, look, they lost their quarterback, their best lineman. Their you know running back returner, and then they came back and had a better season last year. So right, and, and I'm not I would saying, never count on calling you out. Coach Mendes always has his team coached up well. Right, and I'm not saying they can't win the conference still, but I don't think setting another school record is realistic for them because mm-hmm. I think I mean I'd know absolutely nothing about who are they playing again. Is a keen uh, keen tech. I know nothing about them. I don't know Cathedral yeah, Tech. I'm not familiar with Cathedral football. I'm assuming that they're not going to be very good, but Keith Tech could be. 
um, pretty good. They go and lose one to them, and then maybe one to Blue Hills or South Shore, who, who've been tough for them in the past. Uh, tough. No for, Sacred Heart on the schedule. That was two losses last season. All right, and that makes a difference. No, 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 on the regular season schedule. Of course, right. you don't know what happens come playoffs. Right, exactly. So I, when I look at it, I mean. I just can't say that they're going to go and match what they did last year. But again, they hadn't done; they'd only done that once before, get eight wins. So mm-hmm. that's kind of asking a lot for them to repeat that. So now you mentioned the quarterback battle. This was actually was a quarterback battle last season mm-hmm. as well. Matt Bumpus kind of won the battle last season. It looks like they're actually going a different direction this year, and they're going to kind of move Bumpus out, play him in wide out a little more. I think Bumpus is still going to get his share under center, but Schultz, the thing that he brings to the table is he's more like Murphy. Not so much that he can't. I mean, Murphy wasn't a runner, but Schultz can kind of do both based on what Mendes has told me. Mm-hmm. Um, he definitely has a better arm than Bumpus, who didn't throw a whole heck of a lot last year. You no. went from having a team that had Murphy and then Maurer and Baker uh, who could catch the ball and run with it, to never passing the ball last year. In the games that I was there, I felt like there, there was never a pass. It was always run with Bumpus, run with Gagne, run with Plissy, who was supposed to be a tight end. I covered their last game of the season, their, their Thanksgiving, I'm, I'm doing air quotes right, so yes. no one can see, the, pre, the Thanksgiving Eve game, mm. and I think they threw seven times, and that was about maybe close to a season high. Exactly, that's my point. So they have Schultz, they're going to try and utilize that, and look, Bumpus is most effective running the ball. And he can catch it here and there, so he's gonna be, they're going to be able to utilize him in that capacity. I'm sure he'll line up at running back as well. Um, but, of course, they have Mitchell Wilson who can run, and he's also going to play into the passing now He's game a little bit well. of a new name. Exactly. So, so what do we know about Mitchell Wilson? So he had some running back experience um, in like the JV level, but last year he was a tight end for the Cougars uh, and played linebacker, and he apparently was, he was very impressive last year. And but more importantly, with his running back whole thing. Sorry, my phone's buzzing in my pocket right now, and it's I should not. It's have all it. those tweets. I just mentioned your. This hasn't even gone out live yet. Yeah, and people are already hitting you up on Twitter. That's that's exactly what it is. Um, but going back to Wilson, sorry. So he's a senior running back. He worked with Jared Gagne a lot in the offseason, and based off what I saw and what I'm being told, he's he's kind of. I don't want to say he's the most dynamic back that Mendes has had in his few in his you know short time at Old Colony, but it seems like he has potential to be because he's shifty, but at the same time he will run through guys. So they, I mean, Baker, hey, six foot one ninety. I mean, that's not for for Mayflower football. That's, that's, that's huge good too. That's huge too. And, and with the way the lines built right now, the size is on, they have definitely having a size advantage um, on the offensive line. Their smallest guy is their center, but. He has a whole year experience, so he knows mm-hmm. what he's doing. Um, but yeah, when I look at Wilson, I I don't want to necessarily say he's going to go and have a better year than Gagne, but I think he has the potential to do that, given he's a more diverse runner. Yeah, that offensive line, you mentioned them. That's obviously going to be very important, both for the passing game and the running game. Yeah. And you mentioned the size there, two six-foot-three tackles. Yeah, exactly. That's not happening at old colony-sized schools every day. No, exactly. And, I mean, 225, 275, 225, 205 across the board. Like I said, the center, a little bit smaller, 165, but you can get away with that in high school football. But they have, they have I mean, they only have one guy um, between their guards and tackles that's under six feet. I, I mean, I think their running game... I, 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 with Wilson not having the experience, it's hard to tell how well he'll do. But the offensive line is in, he's in a position to do what, to thrive because his offensive line is so big and has some experience too across the board. I'm guessing that offensive line will, often, will probably be mirrored a lot on the defensive line. Yeah, it seems like crew. I mean, looking at the uh, the projected starting lineups, 
pretty much across the board, you're going to see uh, guys who are starting on offense and starting on defense. There's like a few small differences here or there, but they're guys who are expected to contribute to both the offense and the defense. That's what happens with Old Colony. It's a smaller school. You yeah, know, smaller gonna, schools. You know, your top athletes are your top athletes, and it's hard to take them off the field. Based on what um, what Mendy said to me, it seems like Wilson is the guy to watch there too. I mean, he had some big plays last year. They expect him to do it again this year. We'll see what happens, but um, yeah, again, Proctor, Latendre, uh, Rigo, a lot of the same guys that are on their offense playing on the defensive side of the ball, too. Lastly, one interesting thing is that uh, this is kind of a, a two-year window right now for the Cougars, because a lot of these guys that we're talking about mm, are sophomores point. and juniors. Uh, we, we mentioned Mitchell Wilson's a senior. They only have three other returning seniors yeah. on the team. Yeah, exactly. So a lot of these guys are building experience, and you know, maybe if they don't go 8-3, and three, but they go 6-5 and five or 7-4, right. and four, they can build off that the next season, and 2019 might be you know, the Super Bowl run season. I think 2019 will be that no matter how well they do this year. They have like 16 juniors, I think it was, when I counted on. Obviously, for Old Colony, that's ridiculous. They had, I think it was eight last year or something to that effect. Um, and two of those guys are Schultz, and Bumpus, who are going to be your most important players going into next year, too. And then they have Blake Dennison, who's also a junior running back who's going to get time. Their tight end, also a junior. So it's not just that they're juniors. They're their skill position guys, too, mm-hmm. are juniors. So this year, like we said before, it may it, they may compete for the conference title. I don't think they're going to go and get eight wins or more this year. But I think that they can still compete, build out, you know, set a foundation for what next year could possibly, like you said, a, a Super Bowl run, possibly. Well, that's a little rundown of the Old Colony Cougars heading into the 2018 season. They open things up on Saturday, uh, September 8th at 1 o'clock. They're hosting Cathedral. Mm-hmm. As always, you can follow us on SC at SC underscore Varsity. Uh, we will be at that game live. I think actually I'll be covering that game. Nice. So, Phil, doing my best Nick Fryer impersonation. Yeah, there you go. So thanks for being here, Nick. Appreciate it. My pleasure. It. Welcome back to the South Coast End Zone Podcast. I'm Brennan Curie, and I'm here with Standard Times Sports Editor Lori Lose, and we are breaking down each of the South Coast football teams that we cover ahead of the 2018 season. Are you excited for some football, Lori? Yes, but unfortunately, I won't be covering any. This no, fall. yes, um, uh, Lori is uh, with eight months. How uh, many weeks? Yeah, it's a lot. I don't know, thirty-four, thirty-five weeks pregnant. There's so. a human inside of Lori right now. Yes. We'll put it that way. So and, I won't. Uh, I won't. I won't be on the sidelines, and I won't be in the press box and in the bleachers and all that. Unfortunately, my you'll, first. You'll be rooting from the desk here at the office. Yes, though. my my first fall that I'm missing in probably close to twenty years. Um, wow. Unfortunately, but uh, but I will still be here following all the teams and tracking everything and. Uh, until the baby comes out, so uh, so I think you're that. already talking about calling into this podcast every week or something, uh, right? Or I don't know. Maybe maybe, maybe you'll do your picks at least. Yes, right? I'll at least do, do my football picks. picks so. Yeah, each week. Well, so. right today, right now we're going to be talking about Old Rochester. So uh, you were out at uh, I think was it a practice and or you almost uh, went. To I a went scrimmage. to I think two or three practices. <laughs> and almost a scrimmage that didn't happen. Scrimmage that didn't happen at staying. But uh, what were your first uh, impressions of the Bulldogs? Uh they're going to be good. Um, yeah. You know, they were nine and two last year. Um, they didn't graduate many players. And when I say many, that means numbers, number wise. Um, but the guys that they did lose, um, you know, outstanding players, Harry Smith, you know, record setting, uh, running back, um, you know, he, for the program, he, you know, finished as the single season, um, career touchdown leader, (laughs) the, uh, yards leader. I mean, he pretty much has every, um, rushing and scoring record at old Rochester. He's gone. Um, so that's a huge, 
hold mm-hmm. a fill. Um, Emo Shapa, he was one of their um, best linemen. He's gone as well as Zach Kelly. On both sides of the ball. Yep. Yeah. Mike Bowen, um, those those three guys were kind of a core for them, uh, especially on the line. So saying that, you know, even though you have all those holes, I mean, they return just about every skilled player, um, position player besides Harry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think kind of lost in last season um, was the play of Will Garcia. Um, you know, he's he's back for a senior year. He's five foot nine, one hundred seventy pounds. But last year he ended up having. Uh, was 1,400 yards. Um, and, 21. Yeah, 21 touchdowns. touchdowns. I was, I was going to say, I know it was over 20, um, you know, but it was kind of overshadowed by By, by 2,000 yards <laughs> yes. on Harry Smith. Yeah. And, and, uh, was it 28? Yeah, I think it was like 28, 20, yeah. some, something like that, touchdowns. Um, so, you know, he's back. Um, he's gotten bigger. He's gotten stronger. You know, he's hungry. Um, you know, I talked to him, and he said, you know, it was great last year, you know, being on that team and being with Harry, but – you know, he said, I felt like it wasn't my team and, you know, I want to kind of prove myself, um, you know, to, to everybody. Um, so, I mean, he's going to be a force. Um, you know, we, they might not go to him as much as they went to Harry just because they're going to have more options. Uh, Cole McIntyre is in his second year at quarterback and he really worked hard in the offseason. He attend, attended like five or six um, college camps to try and get ready and get better. Um, he even met with a lot of the receivers on the team just to throw around and work out in the offseason together um, in hopes of kind of becoming that better throwing mm-hmm. quarterback and adding a dimension. Because he's, he's a really good running quarterback, but they, he, he didn't have a passing touchdown all of last season. And I think and in that, that last yeah. sectional final against Middleborough when they fell behind, they, yeah, they were, they were that. lacking that passing game in order to make a comeback. Yeah. So, uh, so, I mean, he's been, he's kind of added another dimension, um, to their offense and, uh, he's really, you know, he's got some good, uh, receivers out there. Um, you know, Anthony Childs, um, Bryce, uh, Alfonso are two guys, um, right now that, that kind of, you know, look like they're going to be leading kind of the receiving core. Um, but, but the, uh, besides, Will um, at running back. They also have Desmond Dias is back, who was kind of you know pretty strong last year, and they uh, got a nice transfer um, from Wareham, Dylan DeWolf. Not that Will, not that Wareham could afford to yes, have anyone transfer the, out, but um, yeah, uh, Dylan. I mean, this is somebody who's had so much potential. He, you know, he played some his freshman year and just really kind of you know, came on the scene and we're like, oh my God, this kid's a freshman. Like he's going to be great. And of course, Isaac Nesmento was there. So it was kind of like, you know, you don't really get to see a lot of what he got to do because, you know, Isaac was so um, um, dominating. And then last year, um, Dylan got hurt. I was actually at the game, the game against Old Rochester week one. Um, He ended up, uh, I think it was, he tore his Achilles. Yeah, ACL. Um, Which he had already done earlier, he, I think, what eighth grade or middle school or something. I thought he it? had done his freshman year, but maybe it was maybe it was, oh, eighth it was grade. Eighth, okay. Yeah, so I think it was like he at the end of his freshman year, or or maybe it was eighth grade. I'm not sure. Um, but uh, but so he lost the whole season. Yeah. You know, pretty. I mean, it was like you know early in that game, and and um, so he's back. He's healthy. He's hungry, and you know he's at Old Rochester now. So he, he'll not only be you know one of the lead blockers. Um, and he's still only a junior, so yeah, he's got some yeah. time left to prove what he can do. And he's good size five five eleven two twenty five, um, you know, and and he, he'll he'll be one of the lead blockers for Will Garcia, but he'll also get some some um, carries as well. So I think that just adds um, a little bit more to to that uh, you know their options that they have. Um, so the big question mark for Old Rochester, honestly, is the is the line. Mm-hmm. You know, they they graduated. Um, 
a bunch of kids, uh, I think it was two or three um, starters on the uh, the offensive line, and actually I think it was all three um, defensive linemen and two of the offensive linemen. So it's kind of you have all these skilled players, but are they going to have time to do what they need to, <laughs> to mm-hmm. do to get to that point, you know, where – you know, they'll have that. the benefit of a coaching staff that knows how to yes. coach a line. Yes. You can tell from Kogler's time yes, there. Yes, he does have that, that, that experience. He, he knows how to coach a line well, or, or whoever his offensive line coach is is doing a great job. Yeah, and and I mean, it's it's uh, you know, they're in that South Coast Conference large division, so you know they're going to face a Poniquit, which is better this year. Um, they're going to Vogue, um, you know, which is going to be improved under. Yeah, um, oh, Rochester, you might chalk that one up as a win, though. Yeah, uh, for uh, so and then Dighton Rehoboth, you know, and then some, the big one, Somerset, yeah. at this point. I mean, that's what it came down to last year, um, and that game really could have, not to say gone either way, but you know, it they were in that game for for most of that game, and um, you know, so we'll see if they can uh, can kind of get everything together and on board because they they face Somerset October fifth, um, and that'll probably be for. That, that large conference That's title with, with the, uh, yeah. the championship on the line. Um, but, I mean, I see, you know, I see them having another successful year. I mean, they have the talent. They have the experience. It's just a matter of if that line can kind of come together, um, which is, you know, it's always a question mark because linemen have to work as one, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> for it to really be. coalesce. Yeah. yeah so, um, so that's – they open uh, against Wareham Friday night at home at 7 o'clock, so – That'll be yeah Friday, and you can follow it uh, on Twitter at sc underscore varsity. We'll be there. Hi, welcome to South Coast End Zone, the podcast. Um, sports editor Lori Loss. I'm here with digital sports editor Brendan Curie, and uh, we're here to talk football. Woohoo! Yay. Football season is <laughs> upon us. It's always exciting. Yeah, so we'll talk about some Wareham here. Yeah, the Vikings. All right, the Vikings. So obviously quite the season last year. Yes, 9-2, and two, uh, reached the South Sectional Championship, uh, won the small division of the South Coast Conference, and then went to Somerset Berkeley and knocked off uh, the Raiders. And They'll won. always have. They'll always be the won first that. ever South Coast Conference overall champions. Yep, I was, I was at that game. It was an amazing game, and it just came down to the wire. It was awesome. Um, but that was last year. That was last year. Uh, one of the issues from last year has carried over to this year, and that's low numbers. Yes, yes. Not a ton of kids out there in the mid-20s this year. Although, as we were talking, I think, last week, even though they had low numbers, they had I- Isaac Nazimento, who counted for, what did we say? It's like about- 17 players. <laughs> <laughs> I think I said about four or five. Uh, so just as- He made up for a lot of other yes. uh, gaps in yeah, the roster. Yes, yes. And he's gone. Um, you know, he's graduated after a record-setting career um you know pretty much i mean he's going to go down as one of the the top running backs to ever come out of wareham and one of and probably, quarterbacks <laughs> yeah quarterbacks too um you know and and probably one of our you know top football players at least of the last decade or so mm-hmm. um that we've had uh locally so um you know we'll be able big, to watch him at framingham state now right yeah big big shoes to fill though um it is and i don't think it's gonna be one person no, filling those shoes no. um so they obviously have low numbers. I think by the end of last season, they were down to about 20 kids, yeah. 18 to 20 kids by the end of last season. Uh, they had about 25 out now. And there, there's some names that you'll definitely recognize. Uh, you know, Eric Zine is back. He's yep. uh, kind of 
him and Isaac kind of switched in and out of the quarterback roles. Uh, Bob Lomp had moved him around a couple of times. But uh, now under first-year head coach Fran Cass, he's going to be a running back, uh, along with Seth Andrade, who got off to a great start to last yes, season. Yes, I remember that. Ran for 200-and-something yards uh, in week one and uh, finished with over 500 yards in just five games and also caught for more than 300 yards. So he's yeah. kind of a dual threat. Now, he'll miss the beginning of this season. We're not sure exactly when he'll be back, but uh, they're hoping it could be as early as week two, but uh, we're not sure there. Um, and then uh, so they'll be running behind Landon Brito. He'll be the team's fullback. And then at quarterback, they have a new transfer. Yes, they were telling me about this. Yes. Uh, so uh, Isaac Pinero is his name, and uh, he is a uh, transfer. He's from Brazil originally. He played at IMG Academy, and uh he was kind of a third-string quarterback there. Kind of a bigger kid. Uh, I think he's uh, 6'2". Um, looks, you know, has a, not quite the size of, like, True Williams over in New Bedford, but yep. kind of in line with that. And uh, we don't know, you know, a whole lot about him. I saw him out there once, but he was mostly just handing the ball off when I was out there. They were uh, really kind of working on a lot of the running plays uh, while I was there. So I didn't really get to see him throw the ball a lot, but... Uh, you know, he, he certainly has the size and the stature to play the position. So, you know, we'll see how he is. Of course, IMG Academy is known for being like this sports yes. mecca almost powerhouse. So, uh, you know, there certainly seems to be some uh, some bloodline. I guess not bloodlines, but, uh, you know, he's got to have something good if he was at IMG Academy. The real question is going to be the line. Yeah. They don't have a lot of size. They don't have a lot of depth. Nope. Uh, so it's going to be on both sides of the ball, you know, can they push the line? Now, Fran Cass told me he's not too worried about size. Uh, you know, he's you know, making sure his, his linemen have speed. So it'll be, I think, a lot of zone blocking More this athletic. year, yeah. kind of getting out and blocking in the open field as opposed to just kind of like trying to push the line forward. Uh, so, you know, we'll see. Uh, they're definitely going to pass the ball more. Uh, it'll be... Probably, I mean, not the last year's offense wasn't entertaining with Isaac. Oh yeah, it was but by it wasn't entertaining by design. It was yep. entertaining by kind of individual excellence. Yes. And uh, this year there'll be a little more, a little more entertainment designed into the offense, and uh, they'll try to do a few different things, spread the ball out a little bit more. Uh, Coach Cass's uh, last head head coaching stop was at Holbrook Avon. He was a head coach there. Uh, he later was an assistant. I think he likes fixing up old homes, <laughs> yes. so uh, he needs some time for that. Uh, he's also coached the Middleboro Cobras, uh, their semi-pro team up there, and it just seems like a real energetic guy. I mean, he was out there the practice. I was out there. He was he was running sprints with the team. He needed a wide receiver at one point. He was out there running routes. Wow. You know, so now when, can he play the games? Does he have any eligibility left? <laughs> that's a good question. Yeah, we'll see <laughs> if uh, he played it. Now he played at Middleboro. Yeah, he was an offensive this. lineman. For Bob Lomp, when Bob Lomp was yeah. a quarterback at Middleborough, and uh, small world, yeah, yeah. So they have they have some connections, and uh, I think his quote to me was, uh, "If anyone can get Bob Lomp to get chatty, it's supposedly Fran Cass." So, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> good to know. If you want some uh, Bob Lomp yarns to be spun, bring Fran with you. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, so Wareham opens um, on Friday night at uh, at Old Rochester, which as we're... It'll be a tough opener. Yeah, it will be tough. But one thing he has in his hand that he played no scrimmages. Yes. And he's a new coach, so Old Rochester has zero tape. Yes. On what uh, Wareham's going to do, I'm sure, much to uh, Justin Kogler's chagrin. Yeah, so I will But, we'll yeah, see they, how it they, goes. maybe they'll come out and surprise him. But, uh, I mean, Old Rochester, also, uh, there's a little bit of rivalry. Some of the Wareham players that could be playing for Wareham are at, are at Old Rochester due to school choice. Yeah, and Dylan DeWolf uh, tr- recently yeah. transferred, and, um, you know, he was, I mean, he would be a huge addition 
at Wareham, but mm-hmm. you know now he's at Rochester. And another Wareham guy, Gilly Hollow, who you might have expected back this year, is uh, is in Fall River now. So yeah, so they lost a few kids, not just yeah. to graduation, but you know the key for them will be kind of at least staying 500 and getting into the tournament because then once they get up against only Division Eight teams, because I think during the regular season they don't really play any teams that are as small as them. Uh, so, you know, even in that SEC small, they're small. Yes. Uh, so, you know, if they can get into those Division Eight playoffs, they might be able to win a game or two just because they'll be going up against teams that are in similar situations to them. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, not only do they play Old Rochester, uh, Fairhaven has also improved mm-hmm. this year. You know, they have a pretty veteran team. Seekonk seems like they're always usually kind of in the mix or tough. Case kind of up and down and then – you know, there's Nosset as well and Bourne, which is, you know, hopefully rebounding from a couple down years. So, I mean, it is a possibility that they could make the playoffs, but, um, you know, they really have to pull everything together quickly to, yep. to make that happen. So, All right. Well, that was uh, – we actually – we've all done all nine teams now. So yeah, we ended been, with Wareham. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so uh, that is our uh, South Coast End Zone podcast series on the uh, – Opening of the 2018 football season. As always, you can read all of our preview stuff on southcoasttoday.com. Follow us at SC underscore varsity on Twitter. We're out at four to six games, usually every Friday night, uh, basically every home game, and uh, one or two road games if we can get to them. We're at every Friday night. Yep. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.